Welcome to Modern Babylon, Culture Contrarian. This is Ryan Miller. We're going to continue with the readings from the Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. We're in Chapter 3, titled, All Authority is Delegated. God is the ultimate authority. The Bible says plainly, the Most High rules over the realm of mankind. He gave his law at Sinai. The very first degree is, you shall have no other gods before me. He created us and thus knows best how we are to be governed. God is the ultimate lawgiver and ruler. God has established four realms of government to which he delegates authority. They are one, self-government, two, family government, three, church government, and four, civil government. Each has its own role, function, and jurisdiction. If one invades the jurisdiction of the other, chaos or tyranny ensues. Each of these governments has positions of authority. Self-government government's authority, of course, is the individual. In family government, the man is the head of the home. His wife acts as his co-regent, and both have authority over their children and property. In church government, there are offices of elder, deacon, and pastor. In civil government, there are many various positions of authority, ranging from policeman to the president. The authority an individual possesses in any one of these four realms of government is delegated authority. In other words, they derive their authority from God. Their authority is not autonomous or unconditional. Their authority is God-given, and thus they have a duty to govern in accordance with his rule. A father who has authority in family government, for example, should not tell his child to go rob the corner gas station because if caught, the child would face less severe punishment than he. Rather, the father has a duty before God to instruct the child in honesty and hard work and to abhor theft. Hence, the father does not rule autonomously. He does not get to contradict the law of God just because he has a position of authority. The authority he has is delegated to him from God. He has the duty, therefore, to govern his home in accordance with God's rule. So it is with civil government. Its power is not unlimited, nor is its rule to be autonomous. The word autonomous comes from two Greek words, autos, which means self, and nomos, which means law. The authority of the state is not autonomous. It's actually de facto. Sorry. They do not get to create law out of thin air or by whim. Men need to understand that the state is not God. They do not get to rule by mere fiat. They do not get to just make up law as they go. The authority of the state is limited. The authority it possesses is delegated authority from God. That the authority of the state is delegated from God is seen among other places in Romans 13. Very popular scripture go-to place for the, I don't know, the postmodern church. The first verse declares, for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Hence, The authority that the state possesses is delegated from God, and as such, they have a duty to govern in conformity with his rule. America's founders understand that civil government's authority was delegated and therefore limited. They stated in the Declaration of Independence that all men are, quote, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, meaning you can't place a lien against those rights. You hear people say unalienable, I go unalienable. That these among that among these are life, liberty, 
and the pursuit of happiness. They understood that rights do not originate from the state, but were rather given to men by God. Britain had ceased to rule and function within God's ordained limits. Therefore, America's colonialists found themselves in conflict with her. The next line of the Declaration states, quote, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, close quote. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hence, when a government ceases to protect the citizenry of their God-given rights, but instead constructs laws attacking and depriving men of those rights, that government has perverted its power and decided to play the role of tyrant. Such a government is to be resisted and not obeyed regarding those areas of unjust laws. John of Salisbury, in his monumental work Polycraticus, written in 1159, taught that the state's authority was delegated authority. He writes, All power, meaning authority, is from the Lord God, the power which the prince is therefore from God. For the power of God is never lost or severed from him, but he merely exercises it through a subordinate hand. What a wonderful statement. Let me refresh my palate here for a second. Ah. The state's authority is not autonomous nor unlimited. Rulers are not to contravene, violate, oppose, or contradict God's law. Citizens are not bound to hold unlimited obedience to the civil government. In his writing, Salisbury states plainly that the king is a king precisely because he rules in the fear of the Lord and according to his law. When the king makes a law contrary to God's law, he becomes a tyrant. Hmm, isn't that interesting that public servants swear an oath based upon fear of the Lord? But they act according to man's law, not God's. But anyway, I digress. What is tyranny? Salisbury wrote, For tyranny is abuse of power entrusted by God to man. All authority, including civil authority, is delegated authority. When a higher authority makes unjust law, he abuses his power and may be resisted. When the lesser magistrate sees the higher magistrate make bad law, it is the right and duty of the lesser magistrate to interpose against such false law. When the state authorities make law that contravene or impugn the laws of God, John Calvin wrote, For early princes lay aside their power when they rise up against God and are unworthy to be reckoned among the number of mankind. We ought rather to spit upon their heads than to obey them. Lovely John Calvin. Unfortunately, many people today are unconsciously schooled in statism. They think the authority of civil government is absolute and limitless. They think rights and laws originate with the state. An example is, of this is the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights. If you've ever read this, this would make you vomit. Oh, he didn't say that. God is nowhere acknowledged in that declaration. That's because statists believe that the state is the originator of law and rights. Such thinking, however, stands in stark contrast to America's Declaration of Independence, which recognizes rights are God to men, given, to, given of God to men. Because statism seems to have pervaded our culture down every avenue, including academia, the media, and public policy, most politicians today do believe their authority is limitless. 
that they do rule by fiat, that they do decree law policies out of thin air or by whim. The lesser magistrate doctrine, however, reminds the higher authority that their authority is delegated and limited. No man who holds state office rules with autonomy. The authority he has is delegated to him by God. Hence, all those in positions of authority stand accountable to God by their oath. This standard is seen in all areas of government. In family government, for example, if a husband tells his wife to murder his son or daughter, she has a duty not to obey. Also, if a husband decides to murder his son or daughter and forbids his wife to try and stop him, she has a duty to try and stop him anyway. So it is with the civil government, if the higher authority commands that which God forbids or forbids what God commands, the the lesser magistrates must not obey and, if necessary, actively resist. I'm going to touch that in a moment. The state is not God. The state's authority is not limitless. They don't get to do whatever they just seems good to them. Men should not give unlimited obedience to civil government. In fact, men have a duty to oppose any in authority when they make unjust or immoral laws. Folks, churches around our country tap danced around the laws regarding wearing medical devices on people's faces. Some did not tap dance. And they were the lesser magistrate, and they were defiant. And they were prepared for the tyranny to whiplash and snap and crack back at them and attempt to punish them, levy them, fine them, and close their doors. That is suffering for Jesus, folks. They were standing obedient to God's word to fellowship and worship together in the sanctuary of the church, defiant to the unlawful commands of man through statism. Some churches were not so bold, not so courageous, and they even lied to the government to acquiesce their pew dwellers. I wonder if you know any establishments which reflect that kind of embodiment where they, they lie of omission to the government to appease the congregation. All right, now we're going to move on to chapter four. The duty of lesser magistrates, chapter four, Duty is a word not often mentioned in our nation today. Expediency prevails. The path of least resistance is the path that most follow in our day. Whether in private or public life, commitment is a virtue long lost on Americans. Just consider the divorce rate if you even doubt this. Duty is that which a person owes to another or by which a person is bound to another by any natural, moral, or lawful obligation to perform. Duty is an action required by one's position or by moral or lawful considerations. A magistrate is a person clothed with power as a public civil officer, whether executive, judicial, legislative. As the title implies, the lesser magistrate is one who possesses less power than a higher magistrate. For example, a county executive possesses less authority than a state governor. The position of the lesser magistrate can be obtained by election or by appointment. The primary duty of the lesser magistrate regarding the doctrine of the lesser magistrate is threefold. First, they are to oppose and resist any laws or edicts from the higher authority that contravene the law or word of God. Second, they are to protect the person, liberty, and property of those who reside within their jurisdiction from any unjust or immoral laws or actions by the higher authority. Third, 
They are not to implement any laws or decrees made by the higher authority that violate the Constitution and, nece- and, if necessary, resist them. They cannot hide behind the excuse, I'm just doing my job, or I'm just following the law of the land, as an attempt to escape their duty. The duty of the lesser magistrate is to uphold that which is right in the sight of God and to protect the people where his local authority or function resides. This is a sacred duty. We define it as sacred because it is founded in scripture and proceeds from God. When we speak of lesser magistrates, we are usually talking about a more local authority. Whatever the local authority may be, its jurisdiction is smaller than the higher authority that legislate an unjust or immoral decree. Whether a governor or state legislature standing in defiance of the president or Congress or the Supreme Court, or whether a mayor or city council standing in defiance of a governor or Congress or state legislature, the authority of the lesser magistrate is more local than the higher magistrate. Lesser magistrates are not to just unquestionably do the bidding of the higher authority. State governments, for example, were never intended to be mere conduits or implementation centers for federal government regulation, law, and policy as they have become today. Herbert Schlossberg speaks to this point in his magnum opus, Idols for Destruction. He says regarding the lesser magistrates, the framers of the American Constitution were conscious of the excesses to which centralized political systems were prone and their solution was to devise multiple levels of authority. The existence of states, cities, counties, townships, and independent taxing authorities, which, to apologists for the state, have, has been a messy derogation from beneficent centralized power, has saved us from some of the assaults on freedom that others have suffered. Schlossberg points out, however, that in our days, these intermediate institutions, which formerly served to check the central power, have largely atrophied. He later concludes, after three quarters of a century, the new nationalism has borne bitter fruit. People who have despised the right of localities to govern themselves have delivered them into the hands of federal masters. Local politicians have acquiesced in mugging of the provinces because in return of giving up political authority, they have received monetary benefits. Can you hear the words ESSER funds ring out anywhere? In other words, with the shekels come the shackles. The federal master has bought the lesser magistrates off so they more readily do its bidding rather than the people's. The lesser authorities became, become more implementation centers of federal policy. The lesser magistrates in America today need to be reminded that a magistrate who upholds or follows an unjust or or immoral law becomes complicit in the higher authority's rebellion against God. Salisbury rightly declared in Polycraticus, loyal shoulders should sustain the power of the ruler so long as it is exercised in subjection to God and follows his ordinances. But if it resists and opposes the divine commandments and wishes to make me share in its war against God, then with unrestrained voice, I answer back that God must be preferred before any man on earth. You've heard me say it. No king but Christ is the way I say it. The resistance offered by lesser magistrates is wise and proper. Peasants' revolts are easily put down by governments and suppressed. They lack the cohesion and order necessary to offer a successful resistance to Terry, 
tyranny by any organized central power. The following list demonstrates why resistance by lesser magistrates is wise and necessary to turn back acts of tyranny by the higher authority. One, lesser magistrates already possess lawful God-given authority which they may invoke. Lesser magistrates may have been supported by many in their successful bid to achieve office. There they, therefore, they have an established power base of popular support already in place. Lesser magistrates usually have con constitutional precedent and law on their side, so that, in other words, there is some heritage or history to which they can appeal. Four, lesser magistrates already have access to a public forum by which they can articulate the particulars of the grievances involved. Lesser magistrates, by virtue of their office, are able to address the pangs of conscience, doubt, and indecision of the people when they see tyranny developing in their nation and see the need for resistance. People respond to honorable and authoritative leadership, so they recognize the lesser magistrates' God-given authority to resist unjust and immoral law and can rally behind them. Lesser magistrates can provide relief. I'm sorry, six. Lesser magistrates can provide relief and refuge, protection and support for the distressed more readily than can ordinary individuals becoming by their office an instrument of temporal deliverance and salvation for the distressed. This is institutionalized deliverance, a theme reiterated in scripture repeatedly. Seven, lesser magistrates can strike terror in the hearts of oppressors, flushing them out into the open and exposing them for promoting what is evil, even as they attack the lesser magistrates' position in office and further their injustice. Eight, lesser magistrates have the best chance of resolving injustice without upheaval or bloodshed. A tyrannical government is less anxious to push their oppression if they know that the opposition has the proper leadership and order of lesser magistrates. When the lesser magistrate refuses to comply with unjust or immoral law, that matter can often be resolved in favor of what is right without armed revolution or bloodshed being necessary. God declares a willingness to support such magistrates in their capacity in office, as they represent what God instituted government to be, a picture of true justice in the culture of citizenry at large and an empowered and proper deliverance against the onslaughts of oppression and evil. Such a position gives people hope and foundation upon which to erect a just and upright system of constitutional protections and proper due process of law as bulwarks against tyranny. Lesser magistrates by virtue of their office, office constitute lawful authority when the lesser magistrate stands against unjust or immoral law made by the superior, his actions benefit those under his jurisdiction as well as the nation as a whole. Simply put, the lesser magistrate provides order when the superior authority acts unjustly or immorally, and its abuse of power needs to be quelled. Very good. We're going to conclude that for now. Shorter broadcast this time. I'm going to try to do two chapters at a time. We did... We zip through that. So put this in your intellectual pipe and smoke it. Modern Babylon, Culture Contrarian. I'm Ryan. Join me on my socials, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter. I'm out there. Have a blessed day.